testing, testing, one, two, three. Hey, everybody, this is Noah Alvarez, and you are listening to another episode of the My Mike and I podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. Episode 123. And before we get into this week's guest, as always, we got to thank Generic Sports for producing the instrumental playing in the background. You can check out more of his work on SoundCloud, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, almost combine those two words together, Twitter and Instagram to search up Generic Sports. And also thank you to Vince Correa for designing the My Mike and I logo that you are seeing in your screen. He also helps out a ton too with the My Mike and I Instagram page and the graphics that go into that page as well. If you are on Instagram, be sure to go follow it at my period Mike and period I, at my period Mike and period I. I do... You know, a lot of stuff like interacting with the fans on there, promoting the My Mike and I playlist, which is essentially just a collection of all the artists that I've had on this podcast and my favorite songs from them, as well as promote the episodes, promote the guests, promote the stickers. I have some stickers for sale if you guys are interested. You guys can hit me up on Instagram or also hit me up on Twitter at underscore Noah Alvarez. I'll be doing a Twitter giveaway. I did an Instagram giveaway not too long ago, but I'll be doing a Twitter giveaway too with the stickers. And yeah, those are the two platforms to follow me on. So be sure to give it a, be a follow. Really appreciate you guys. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, follow the show, uh, like the show. And I greatly appreciate any support for the podcast that I can get. Didn't want to remind you guys too that we are brought to you by popples.co. That's spelled P-O-P-L.co. It's a new digital business card. It's an attachment that goes on to the back of your phone. And what it does for you, let's say you want to promote a YouTube page or a PayPal or let's say your own personal website. Well, you program that on the app. And when you meet someone new, wherever it may be, you introduce yourself, they you tell them about your whatever entrepreneurship or your business is, and they ask, hey, can I get more information? Boom, you smack the back of, you don't smack it, but you tap the back of your phone to the back of their phone, and guess what pops on their screen? Well, it's all the information that you program. So let's say for this podcast, I promote my YouTube page and also the Spotify homepage for my podcast. And someone asked me, where can I find the podcast? Well, I could just tap the back of my phone and tap it to the back of their phone, and they'll get all that information right on their screen, so it's super easy to use popple.co spelled p-o-p-l dot c-o great for small business uh, entrepreneurs all that kind of good stuff and if you use promo code locker you can get 20 percent off on every single purchase so that's promo code locker for 20 percent off on every single purchase and while you're at it be sure to check out locker room sports ca.com myself max Farias, carl cervantes we started that website during the quarantine at the beginning of uh coronavirus and COVID-19 and everything and we've been going on strong obviously adding different writers to the team got a lot of sports content on there but also got some pop culture content I know last week I said I'd have a what to watch during quarantine tv show um up on the page but I man I just been struggling to get it out I'm almost finished with it though so hopefully by next Monday this upcoming Monday the first Monday of October I'll have that out on that platform for you guys to read up on I need to get back to my writing game I know it's one of my stronger suits but Sometimes life be tough, yo, and I just want to remind you guys that you may go through your ups and downs, and, and I went through a recent down that kind of had me in a little funk, you know, but uh, man, just always keep a positive mindset and, and know that those ups and downs are always going to pass, right? Whether you're in a bad mood or bad bad streak, know that it's going to turn around and turn the corner, even when you're in a good streak too. Cherish those moments because those good streaks aren't always going to last forever. That being said, let's go ahead and hop into 
this week's guest for episode 123. Can I get a drum roll, please? This week's guest is actually a returning guest, and if you listened to the show earlier in the summer, it's Jonathan Hernandez. He's currently running for Santa Ana City Council Ward 5. Um, that's over in the downtown Santa Ana area off of Fairview 5th. Think like El Salvador Park and that kind of area right there. So he's running for city council, and I spoke with him earlier this summer. And obviously, uh, we got a lot of talking and a lot of good talking points in, obviously, in our first encounter. But I've seen him around at different rallies, at different community events, and most recently was the Feed the Juice event that we recently connected on. And we just wanted to uh, basically touch base and reconnect. And also, he wanted to update me on some of the campaign stuff. So it's a really good conversation. We talk about that Feed the Juice event, his campaign, going forward, education, uh, some of the plans that he has. And it's, it's, it's a really powerful message. So I'm not going to spoil too much of the conversation. Without further ado, hope you enjoy the convo between Jonathan Hernandez and myself. So the last time we talked, I think it was after the Juneteenth Bro. celebration, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And just as recently, yesterday, as the day we're recording, we had the uh, Feeding the Juice yes, sir. over at Suavecito headquarters. What are your initial thoughts like when you see so many people of the community, artists, people who own small businesses, everybody alike come together on an event like that? Man, brother, it's, it's shocking actually, you know, like I want to say like the right answer would be that it's expected, but it's not because um, I never saw that as a kid. Like I, I never saw community really come together to, to protect us or to, or to make sure that we were taken care of. So it's, it's inspiring to see it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love seeing more young people get involved and in being a part of that process. So it's, it's, it's inspiring, brother. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I've taken away from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... It was really incredible to see too because we gave away three thousand boxes. Yeah, three thousand boxes of food. And I remember towards the beginning, I was like, I don't know, like, are we really gonna be giving away all these boxes? And when towards the end, when <laughs> we were on the last few, I was like, what? Like we actually <laughs> got down to there, you know? Like it was, it was nuts. It was really cool to to see because like, I think towards like after eleven thirty, it was just like nonstop yeah. cars coming through. So it's just you know spread of the word, social media obviously too. Social media helped a lot. But man, it was, it was crazy to see such a good turnout and us being able to give out all those boxes. I thought we we're going to have to take some home and stuff like that, you know? I agree. I wonder how many of it was just folks that drove by and saw the signs and were like, yeah. oh, let me pull in. Yeah. That was something that went through my mind, too, because I know that social media is important. I know it's a good tool. Mm-hmm. But I also know that in the community, a lot of people really rely on that, that face-to-face contact, whether it's a flyer or mm-hmm. they're driving and they see a sign. I think that the team that was working on the ground too, like in front of Suavecito, yeah, yeah. holding the signs, shout out to Ali Rock, Gucci Mar, and Julie, uh-huh. and Oscar Reyes, um, and all his volunteers that were doing that because I think it really helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, with your campaign, do you find it, how do you find the balance between marketing on social media, but also marketing out on the streets, going door to door like I've seen you do, yeah. and kind of finding that balance between what you spend the most energy on? My entire commitment is to, to be on the ground, right. is to be working with the people. Um, I not only have a strong uh, group of volunteers, upwards of 40 folks that help me with my campaign, mm-hmm. um, but I'm on the ground myself. Mm-hmm. There's not a pocket of Word 5 that I have not physically walked, whether it's Logan, whether it's downtown Santa Ana, um, whether it's Artisa Pilar, Santa Anita, um, you know, First Street, whatever it may be, 
I've proudly walked every single pocket of Ward 5 and have physically handed out my literature and engaged with voters mm -hmm. because I think that that's important. You need to meet the people mm -hmm. and no matter how hard that sounds to walk all that, yeah. <laughs> it's needed and, and it's actually really invigorating to, mm -hmm. to be able to see these people. I've had so many times where I'm wearing a mask and someone's like, is this you? And yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's me. Yeah. And I take out my mask and they're like, okay, yeah. wow, someone's never came to my door. Mm -hmm. So it's nice. Yeah, and especially too, last few weeks have been super hot, man. Like we're record-breaking temperatures at the end of August. The day was 114. I was walking and I swear I was sweating so much. Yeah. And uh, I was sweating so much, one of the voters offered me a beer. He's like, hey, do you want a beer? I'm like, I'm good, man. Yeah. Yeah, so then we just drank scotch. Mm -hmm. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> No, that's cool. I, I think the the people in Ward Five and the people that you've gone door to door, they appreciate that because they, they know it, it's very easy to say, hey, "Look outside the window; it's 110 degrees." All right, we're not going to do it today. Let's postpone to another time. But now you're still out there doing it. You know what? What? Uh, what motivates you to continue to? Man, my daughter motivates me. My daughter. I'm sorry, baby, but we walked together that day. We yeah. walked together, and of all the days to walk, she was like, "Oh, this is so hot." <laughs> so we we got a little creative. Um, my partner and and my daughter came up with the idea of taking the car, mm -hmm. driving the car with the AC on, <laughs> leaving it on, getting out of the car, walking one side, then doing the other side. Mm -hmm. So it was actually being more strategic and utilizing our vehicle air conditioning walking mm -hmm. and then for me because I had to cover so much of it and I have to also engage with voters and be respectful of the public health concerns mm -hmm. I had a little boombox with me and I was playing music the whole time so as nice. I was walking I was hearing music and that helped me a lot too yeah of course some hip-hop right yeah oh yeah always <laughs> you know it was cool I was listening to Jay Electronica exhibit C mm -hmm. and um, and so Farron and I were walking and we're listening to music right mm -hmm. and so w we would stop and appreciate a bar and be like, oh, did he just say that? Yeah. We're like, hold up, hold up, hold up, voter. And then we just finish the bar and then we keep it going. It was pretty cool. So as things have gotten closer to November election season, how has your strategies changed from the first time I spoke with you back in, what was that, June? June. I think, yeah, brother, like, obviously there was like a getting used to when it came to COVID. Mm -hmm. Like COVID has impacted our communities so intensely that it's it's changed our way of life mm -hmm. um, the way that we educate the way that children learn the way that businesses operate it's completely forced us to rethink things mm -hmm. um, I think there's good and bad but the challenges that we faced was we realized okay we're not going to be able to knock on doors mm -hmm. and physically engage with voters. Mm -hmm. I was really looking forward to debating my opponents in person. Yeah. So it was like, okay, how do we do that? Mm -hmm. So everything went virtual, which meant I had to have a more social media heavy campaign. Mm -hmm. um, and I also had to be really creative about reaching people. Mm -hmm. So what we did early on was literature drop. We would just take the literature and we would physically go and, and just leave it at the home. Mm. So leave it at their door or you know have a door hanger yeah and um once we got there after like a good month of walking we figured out okay if there's voters that are outside and they're comfortable we can engage them and then we had myself and a core group of volunteers that were comfortable with that mm -hmm. that were willing to talk to voters so just having a hybrid model of dropping literature mm -hmm. making sure people are seeing you there's visibility mm -hmm. and then lastly making sure that you are engaging with voters so ways that you can do that where you're being respectful of the pandemic is text banking 
um, phone banking mm-hmm. and literature dropping and you know of course talking to voters okay what do those uh, literature drops consist of yeah so it's it's pretty simple um, we have our literature for the campaign mm-hmm. um, we just go door to door we leave it on their door mm-hmm. and that's it mm-hmm. we don't talk to any voters we just respectfully leave it at their door mm-hmm. um, and I think that's been a, a pretty effective strategy because once I do a second run I would come across a voter and they'd say, oh, I saw your stuff. Yeah, okay, and nice. And so it, was, it, it makes it a really good transition to get that conversation going. Mm-hmm. So looking at the big picture, I feel like a lot of the focus is obviously pointed towards the U.S. presidential election. Yeah. But how do you get the common citizen, especially here in Santa Ana and just in Orange County in general, to the importance of voting locally and how much that has a greater impact on your everyday day-to-day life versus the president of the country, the president of the entire country. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good and critical question. Shout out to the paleteros yeah. and the ice cream trucks. <laughs> we just have an ice cream truck that's going to go right past us bumping Chavo del Ocho. Yeah. Old school truck too. <laughs> I had to pay respects to it. Um, all right, so getting back to the serious mm-hmm. question. The presidential election is is imperative because it allows us to have a president that can represent us or cannot represent us, Mm -hmm. but it also has the important role of choosing who our judicial officers are, who the Supreme Court is. All of these decisions affect us. But at the same time, local elections are just as important because although the president makes decisions for the country Mm -hmm. um, we have our governor that makes decisions for the state Mm -hmm. and then you have your elected officials that Mm -hmm. make decisions for your city yeah and as long as i can remember we've had elected officials that don't make decisions for the people Mm -hmm. if you look at public policy in santa ana if you look at government in santa ana we have people that are serving the interests of their supporters Mm -hmm. and that's you know companies that is developers Mm -hmm. that is that is a lot of services that don't represent our needs Mm -hmm. for instance Santa Ana is the youngest city in Orange County Mm -hmm. 31% of our residents are under the age of 18 but we have one library right we don't have city funded sports programs baseball basketball soccer football programs like we did when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. We have boxing programs that are having to fund themselves, like Mm -hmm. TKO boxing program, an amazing program. I attempted to have a boxing program myself. It's incredibly difficult to sustain that Mm -hmm. without support from the city. But there are services that that are lacking Mm -hmm. these support and resources. And if we make bad decisions to elect somebody in office that doesn't represent the people, Mm -hmm. doesn't understand their challenges, well, then these challenges get that much more complicated because mm-hmm. they continue and they happen in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. And um, so if I could send a message to a, a common voter is, believe it or not, your voice does represent power and re- represents change. Mm-hmm. I've seen so many elections where folks have won by seven votes, 14 votes. Yeah. And it really makes a difference of how that city's future can look moving forward. Right. So get out there and use your voice. Mm-hmm. How would you address it, at least in the high school? Because I know I turned 18 in the year 2012, and I really didn't know anything about local. I just voted for presidential and left the rest of my ballot blank. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like as a high school student, no one really talked to me at the high school. 
about hey like this is what you're gonna do when you vote etc etc also pay attention to local stuff so how are ways that you can incorporate or ideas that you can have to incorporate at local high schools throughout Orange County and throughout eventually you know entire country to teach them yeah. to vote locally it's a great question I can speak from experience that if you want to have folks get engaged in their communities especially in voting locally you have to educate them mm -hmm. right and education is a process that doesn't happen overnight mm -hmm. So we need leaders that are going to be committed to using their platforms to educate the people mm -hmm. about things that are ongoing, things that are current, not only things that are happening around elections. Mm -hmm. If you have somebody that is only coming out to do good in the community around an election, mm -hmm. that's not a leader. Yeah. That's an opportunist. Right. Right. So how do you educate folks to make conscious decisions come time to vote? Mm -hmm. I think that we need to have an emphasis on political education and civic engagement. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's difficult because there's not many places for young people to go, mm -hmm. but you can follow credible organizations that can tell you what is most representative for you. Mm -hmm. um, the Orange County Labor Federation is a labor group that consists of over 90,000 members of Orange County unions mm -hmm. and unions represent working class people they represent you know low-income families mm -hmm. and families that are generally in need mm -hmm. and they consistently get out very good voter education mm -hmm. um, and they send it to people in the mail which helps them make better decisions for the community mm -hmm. I remember when I was that age that's how I voted as I would look at the Orange County Labor Federation as a as a resource to help me understand these issues mm, okay. so anybody that has more questions I would encourage them check out Orange County Labor Federation mm -hmm. OCLF or they can reach out to me personally mm -hmm. um, in the DMs or give me a call mm -hmm. and I would happily go through the ballot and help them out that's awesome. I'm definitely going to put that in the show notes. OCLF. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. OCLF, yeah. yeah. Orange County Labor Federation. Because mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people don't vote just because of the lack of knowledge and they don't want to seem like an uneducated voter. And I, I know a lot of, in 2016, I know a lot of my friends and the people that I was around at that time, they just said, hey, I'm not going to vote because they only focus on the presidential. And then they said, well, we don't like either presidential candidate from the two major parties, but not realizing there's a bunch more to choose from as well. Yeah. And they just left their you know, ballot empty and didn't vote at all. And I, I, that can hurt you know, communities, especially at the local level. You know, That's how you elect bad leaders mm -hmm. is that way mm -hmm. by not voting. Because unfortunately, you know, there's folks that, that are entirely committed to their party and folks yeah. that are entirely committed to this party mm -hmm. and at the end of the day there's going to be folks that are voting and they're counting on us to not vote yeah. to win these elections mm -hmm. so that's why i think that the, the future of california will change when young voters come out and use their voice mm -hmm. i think that once we have that we're going to see a, a dramatic change in politics in public policy envision a world where college could be free yeah in order for us to do that, we got we, we got to have young people turn out their vote. Right. Now, we mentioned COVID throughout this show, and it's been an ongoing theme in 2020. But how do you see COVID affecting the elections? Because this is something that I've been talking about with a few different friends the past couple of weeks. Is It doesn't look like it's going to go anyway, anyway anytime soon. So how does it affect the in-person ballots? Yeah, in-person ballots are not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So it, we're not going to have any voting in person, um, from my understanding. Um, governor Newsom, mm -hmm. a governor of the state of California, has declared us a vote by mail state. Mm -hmm. So that means that on October 5th, you will get your um, ballot in the mail. Mm -hmm. So you can start voting as soon as October 5th. Mm -hmm. And um, 
there's definitely concerns around that because right. we've seen voter fraud happen where you know folks can let's say a household gets x amount of ballots you know potentially sign a ballot for somebody right. and send it out mm-hmm. that's scary yeah so i can understand those concerns at the end of the day though i wouldn't want to see an election get canceled mm-hmm. and um democracy has to continue so mm-hmm. I think we need to be just careful and diligent about that. Mm-hmm. I know one way that I'm looking to support voters here is I will be doing ballot drop-offs. Mm. So I will physically be reaching out to my constituents in Ward 5, every single home in Ward 5, mm. so that if they are supporting us or whether they're not supporting us, if they want their ballots to get picked up, we are happy to pick them up and drop them off mm-hmm. to, to get in the way of that. Wow. challenge of having to drop it off there's going to be ballot drop off locations mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to look to do our part in helping the community that way mm-hmm. and isn't it crazy in the year that we can't vote in person and we have to do mail by vote mm-hmm. the whole thing with the united states postal service is happening right and they're Tragedy. trying to cut backs on that something that's been you know hmm. like forever right it almost mm, it's very fishy skeptical, yeah right? no. <laughs> uh, it's crazy how that works mm-hmm. i don't like it man no. i don't like it i mean they're they are so underappreciated our postal workers they mm-hmm. are some of the most important workers in the history of America. Mm-hmm. Like, they have an important job. They're nationwide yeah. doing amazing work for our community, and they physically have to walk and drop off mail, and they do it every single day, mm-hmm. with the exception of Sunday. Mm-hmm. And um, they're getting budget cuts, yeah. right? And then that's that's why I don't support companies like FedEx. Mm-hmm. I don't. You won't ever have me send you anything in FedEx. It, it'll either be... UPS or USPS because mm-hmm. those are folks that are paid livable wages, mm-hmm. they're union members, they're local people in our community, mm-hmm. and we cannot cut their budget. We, we need to protect those postal workers. Yeah, and I think that's something 2020 has brought to light, whether it's through the United States Postal Service or even shopping local at the beginning of the pandemic, because mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest fear is all these local businesses going out of business and eventually having to close up shot and becoming very corporate ran throughout you know major cities small cities you know rural cities doesn't matter i think that's something that is definitely you i'm more more conscious of what i buy where i buy it from who's sending it to me that kind of stuff because i definitely want to help those local businesses because i know during this time they're gonna need it most i definitely i've been sending letters to my you know different cousins that don't live too far in riverside or that's so cool and and it's just like that that helps the postal service though you know saying buying stamps and doing things like that so you, you i think we have to take initiative if we don't want things to change so drastically and become like corporate ran in small communities like this mm-hmm. you know to take over i agree mm-hmm. i agree it's important brother mm-hmm. so what else is uh what are some other updates that you have with your campaign going on yes yeah, so um since you and i first met mm-hmm. um we have successfully been campaigning mm-hmm. reaching people as often as we could we're number one on the ballot mm-hmm. so that's huge with the first name that you're going to see when you get your ballot to vote Um, In addition to that, we've been able to secure endorsements from um, the Orange County Labor Federation. Mm -hmm. We got their open endorsement, uh, Labor's Local 652, uh, Communication Workers of America, that's AT&T, Verizon, that's all of this internet, phone related, anything, that's their union. Um, We were able to secure the endorsement of AFSCME, Local 1902. Um, local 2076 so those are all your eligibility workers those are your your southern california water district employees 
uh, Planned Parenthood endorsed us. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody, whether it's workers, um, whether it's people that are working in social service, whether it's people that are fighting for women's rights and Mm -hmm. reproductive rights, um, they're backing our campaign Mm -hmm. and they're backing us because we back them. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, these endorsements have not been specific to just the campaign, Mm -hmm. but I have a track record of over 10 years of doing work that that in its root is about freedom and liberation. Mm -hmm. And this campaign, that's exactly what that's about. So those endorsements are incredibly special to us Mm -hmm. because they're representative of the values that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, Furthermore, we have been a grassroots campaign from the beginning. We don't receive any corporate dollars. Mm -hmm. We've been able to raise close to to about Mm $20,000 in funds. And, um, you know, we have made sure to print locally, print at union shops. Mm -hmm. We've been able to do everything that we can to not only have a strong community based campaign but Mm -hmm. at the same time everything that we print every sign that we make every shirt that we make is locally and union made as well Mm -hmm. so we're proud of that Um, in addition to that we found out that there was a poll recently um, that shows we're actually ahead of our opponents Wow! so so that's on that's an honor to us and it's representative of how hard we've worked Mm -hmm. and how much belief the community has in us and our candidacy Mm -hmm. Um, and then something else I'd love to talk about is different public policies Mm -hmm. that we're going to focus on so yeah where do you want to start brother it's up to you start wherever you like okay so let's talk about education Mm -hmm. so education is something that is really important to me um, Mm -hmm. because I didn't have all of the best experiences as a student navigating education in Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. I'm a product of Santa Ana Unified School District. I went to Fremont Elementary, Spurgeon Intermediate, mm-hmm. and Santa Ana High School. And early on, I felt very supported as a child. But as I grew older, and as childhood got more difficult, you know, being raised by a single mom, and not knowing my father, and you know, it's just my brother and I, Um, it became more increasingly difficult because Mm -hmm. the older we got the more complex these issues felt Mm -hmm. and so I felt like a lot of the times my teachers didn't understand some of those struggles I had right and so I kind of felt alienated a lot of the time in the classroom but music was one place where I felt safe and there wasn't a whole lot of options for music and art programs when I was a kid and so I had a good educational experience but I always wished it could have been better mm-hmm. to better support and understand students like myself so education is the most important priority to me in mm-hmm. the city and I'm a I'm a community health worker I work for the county for a mental health program so I utilize data for a living every single day mm-hmm. education is something that we need to utilize to ensure that this community is safe mm-hmm. understanding that education is a social determinant right. of our public health needs to be at the forefront. So I'm looking to create a citywide free Wi-Fi program Mm -hmm. to support students and to remove barriers to education Mm -hmm. and increase access to it. it. Um, Furthermore, I understand that we have a lot of young people in this community Mm -hmm. and a lot of these students get to kindergarten and they're not school ready. So I'm gonna create an early learning initiative Mm -hmm. um, where each community center in the city of Santa Ana will have early childhood education programs that will increase access to STEM, Mm -hmm. science, technology, um, 
you know, and art everything that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have access to music, art programs, their math, their fundamentals of writing. So that way, by a kid gets to kin- by the time a kid gets ready for kindergarten, they've already had exposure to education, right. to right. the arts, to music, and so they're more school ready. Mm-hmm. And as a result, data shows us that when children are kindergarten ready, mm-hmm. they're more ready for their educational journey. Mm-hmm. And if we want to create more scholars, social workers, educators, um, you know, psychologists, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. those don't happen on accident. Those yeah. are created. So let's invest in community. And that's how we'll get that done. Mm-hmm. So how do you plan on incorporating a lot of this stuff? Because right now, a lot of schools have turned to online education, mm-hmm. right? Learning through Zoom. And I've had the, the chance to be a part of that, right? Morning shift, I'm working with kids who are on campus, but they're learning through their computer. And it, I, just, I just see it as such a struggle. And then they won't be able to express those arts in person, right? They won't be able to learn how to play instruments. How can we incorporate some of those art programs and stuff like that? through online learning, let's say if this lasts another year or so? Great question. It's a very critical question and it's something that that we need to explore. Mm -hmm. So the approach that we would have, and I'm gonna take it from my my professional work experience. I work with children Monday through Friday, Mm -hmm. and as a community health worker, I work with foster children Mm -hmm. as early as five years old to my oldest being about 18. Mm -hmm. And some of my kids are on the spectrum, and are autistic Mm -hmm. so my children suffer with you know PTSD and and I have other cases where children are suffering from more adverse Mm -hmm. mental health conditions and everybody's needs are different so I have some kids where I incorporate PCIT Mm -hmm. and behavioral health trainings into those things Mm -hmm. I have some kids where I have more trauma-informed approaches to utilizing music and art as a form of therapy yeah Um, I have some kids where I use you know a lot of modeling behaviors on how do we play with our toys yeah so from what I've learned and from what I've gathered is we can have access to arts Mm -hmm. education music um, and technology and we can do it remotely and through let's say if the platform is zoom Mm -hmm. we can do those things I think the barrier that we need to remove is access to those instruments access to those arts right Mm -hmm. So if we have a budget and we're able to supply students with the materials that they need, mm-hmm. there shouldn't be a barrier to teach them remotely mm-hmm. and virtually. Um, if we have good instructors and good leaders and good um, materials that we can distribute to the community, I think mm-hmm. that that's something that we can do. Mm-hmm. If we keep our our class sizes between 10 to 12, that should be very doable. Right. How do we, so as far as education reform goes then, because teachers, when they get tenured, sometimes teachers that are tenured, very comfortable and they don't necessarily put the best foot forward, right? And now you're asking also too to put more teachers in buildings so they're smaller classrooms. How do we make sure we hire good teachers that are still out there, still putting their best foot forward, regardless if they're tenured or not, regardless of what grade they're teaching and what communities they're teaching in, how do we make sure we have the best teachers possible to teach future generations? Yeah, I think that from what I've seen in this community, the best educators that I've ever had access to mm-hmm. um, were educators that were from this community, mm-hmm. that live in this community. I think that there's um, there's an important psychology in how you do things and how you perform services in the yeah. community that you live in, right? If there's something that I've experienced is that the teachers that taught me as a kid that weren't willing to be in my neighborhood past sundown, yeah. Well, it spoke volumes and how, and how 
you know, serious they took things or how, you know, not serious they took them. So I think that the quality of education is going to come down to when you teach people that are your neighbors, you will have a higher quality of education. Mm -hmm. So I, I would love to see more local educators, you mm -hmm. know, teach the very communities that they come from. Mm -hmm. Do you see a, maybe a potential shift of people going away from the public school system and people maybe going to more of like a homeschool thing where a local member of the community who has a teaching credential or degree or whatever they need to do that take six, seven kids at their house and maybe do something like that? Do you see that a potential shift towards that? Hmm. I don't. I don't see that. Um, I think that Santa Ana Unified is, is definitely making its improvements. Mm -hmm. It's... I think that the, if there's an area where we can improve is we can certainly have more music and mm -hmm. art programs. Um, we have tremendous intervention and prevention services. Mm -hmm. We've had a significant decrease in our suspension and expulsion rates, wow. which is huge. Mm -hmm. So it shows that we're finally listening to mm -hmm. kids, but I think that if they keep making these improvements, they're going to be the place to go for sure. Okay. Outside of education, what are some other policies that yeah. you would like to speak about? S some other policies that we're focusing on are going to be um, public safety policies. Mm -hmm. Having a comprehensive, comprehensive public safety strategy on keeping our community safe. Mm -hmm. That's a question that I think a lot of people struggle to have a really good answer with. Mm -hmm. I recently debated my opponents and, um, and we had this candidate forum. Salute. Um, had to bless that brother. And but it's it's a question that that is important, and I think that unfortunately, there's not a one way thing to do when mm -hmm. it comes to public safety. But you can have a comprehensive strategy that tackles all the different facets of it, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about safety. Safety is something that has been taught to us in Santa Ana mm -hmm. that is only singular to police, right? Why is the definition of safety how fast a police can get to my house? Mm -hmm. Why is the definition of safety how fast can you arrest my sibling? Yeah. Right? Safety is how you feel. Mm -hmm. Do I feel supported? Do I feel like I can go to that park? Do I feel like I can go to that community center? Mm -hmm. Right? So I want to create a safe environment. Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? You do that by looking at the ethnography, the ethnography of our community. What is lacking in our community and what is working? Well, we know what's not working is our roads are not well paved. Our streets are not well lit. Our parks are not invested in. Mm -hmm. Our restrooms are torn down. Yeah. Our handball courts are cracked. Yeah. Our basketball courts have no nets. Yeah. And our soccer fields have no grass. Or potholes. And, and, and potholes, yeah. right? But then let's take a look at our community centers. Mm -hmm. Our community centers are not funded properly. Mm -hmm. They don't have the adequate resources and programs that we need and we have one library mm -hmm. so where can you be safe in that community right when those places that should be safe aren't funded mm -hmm. where do you go mm -hmm. so then ask yourself why do we have so many gang members mm -hmm. who creates the gang members mm -hmm. it's not libraries right it's not community centers mm -hmm. it's the fact that you've taken those in resources that could have acted as a safe haven and as a vehicle for college, mm -hmm. but you take them away and you give them more access to go to prison. Right. So I know that gang members aren't born, mm -hmm. they're created. We know that librarians aren't born, they're created. Right. You gotta go to college, right? Mm -hmm. So let's do that. 
So how do we do it? We need to have a comprehensive strategy to keep this community safe. Mm -hmm. So that means we have to keep our parks well lit. Mm -hmm. We have to maintain our roads, make sure that they're paved. We have to ensure that we have cross guards at our major intersections where there's schools in session right. so that kids actually have a relationship and know, okay, this person is actively walking kids across the street, mm -hmm. right? That, that looks safe. It feels safe. Mm -hmm. um, in addition to that, having music and art intervention and prevention programs at community centers yeah. where kids have access to instruments, they have access to arts, they have the ability to express themselves. Mm -hmm. So that way a kid doesn't have to write his sorrows and his rest in peace on a wall. Right. He can express himself every day through a music mm -hmm. or through an art program. And that's how we keep kids safe. Mm -hmm. um, furthermore, I believe that we need to have more community gardening programs so that kids have access to agriculture and they can become entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, that's also public health. Right. So when we talked about community safety, incorporate all those facets that make community safe. Mm -hmm. So you have to look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Are the physiological needs of our community take, taken care of? Mm -hmm. Are kids well fed? Right. Answers no. no. Do kids have secure housing? The answer is no. Mm -hmm. So let's start doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, number two is what type of relationships do we have? Are right. we building relationships with these kids? If the only mechanism you have to keep people safe is police officers, then you are doing your community a disservice. Mm -hmm. So I want to delegate a lot of that police responsibility to other experts mm. so that we can have social workers, mental health workers, work with people that are experiencing crisis, mm -hmm. work with people that are experiencing mental health breakdowns, mm -hmm. healthcare workers that are working with people that are struggling with substance abuse issues. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that is how we are going to see a shift mm -hmm. in public safety. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, I want to com to integrate a community health initiative mm -hmm. where we are going to have a community health worker at each of our major community centers. Mm -hmm. So that way, that individual will work as a liaison mm -hmm. between the residents and the community. So I'll have a representative that works at the community center that you can see Monday through Friday. Mm -hmm. And that representative might identify that this neighborhood wants more stop signs. Oh, okay. This neighborhood wants a ballet program right the neighborhood that is on this side their community health worker might identify that this neighborhood wants to have a community fair mm -hmm. for mexican independence day mm -hmm. right whatever that looks like we need to have folks that are on the ground that are actively working mm -hmm. with the residents and that are serving their needs and as an elected official our job is to make sure that we are responsive to those needs mm -hmm. and i think that Number one, what's gonna keep a community safe is engagement. People need to feel like they are part of that process of creating change. Like they have a voice. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the most effective way I think we can do that right now mm -hmm. is you have to be data-driven. Mm -hmm. So Santa Ana is the eighth most dangerous police force mm -hmm. in the country, wow. Santa Ana Police Department. So I think a way to have transparency is we need to introduce a police oversight mm -hmm. commission. And this police oversight commission will help us have community residents at the table that can help make decisions mm -hmm. on policing, that can help investigate. Um, we should have the ability to subpoena, mm -hmm. and this police oversight commission should be friendly 
to people that have been justice impacted, people that have been through the system, mm-hmm. they should also have a voice too. I love hearing that too, especially especially through social media. I've seen a lot of cartoons in regards to the misunderstanding of defund the police. I think a lot of people have the misconception of what it means. But there's a great cartoon where it's you know a police officer with a bunch of rocks on his back and it has all these different things. And there's two people stand. There's two standbyers. Yes. Yeah, and they're like one guy is saying, you know, how can you say defund the police when they have all this to deal with? And then it has like you know ideal like model society. What it really means by defund the police is hey, they're only to do is like protect and serve. And then you have the mental health workers, you have social service workers, you have different programs in place throughout the community that the police officers don't have to worry about. So they're only there to call for the stop. The, the really big crimes or the re- like you know robberies in place mm-hmm. or stuff like that break-ins etc etc yeah. I think that was like a great depiction of that and I think you know I don't know if we'll ever change the the phrase defund the police but it's more of a reallocation of the re- reallocation of the funds right for the police department and where are those funds going to are they going to weapons and high-tech cars or are they going to hey like proper training to how to de-escalate things with their voice rather than using force whether it's a weapon or with their baton etc etc because there's probably you know there's a probably in a a perfect society there's a world where there's people patrolling patrol uh, whether they're police officers or another part of the system that don't carry weapons and they're there to de-escalate things verbally because i feel like if you're a great communicator it doesn't matter how hostile situation may be if you can de-escalate something with your voice rather than any kind of force I mean, you want you want you'll win that battle ten times out of ten, you know. Yeah, I'll tell you, man. It's it's so important that you're saying this, and it's crazy because like, for my job, I work with with people that, I mean, young people that are going through so much that crisis happens immediately, mm. and sometimes in in my profession we rotate, and last week I was on call. So what that means is that any hour of the night or the day, I got to take a call. Yeah. So I had like six calls last week. I had folks that were dealing with homicidal ideation, wow. like folks that were struggling with some really, really adverse stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had to help them mm-hmm. through de-escalation, mm-hmm. through using dialogue, mm-hmm. right? And it's I, it's interesting because through going through these experiences, mm-hmm. for me with my mental health background, my mind never reverted to let me call the police right now right because i knew that that would only escalate that situation yeah. mm-hmm. and um and so it goes to show that there's ways that we can do this mm-hmm. i think that if we had mental health workers actually work in these specific fields it mm-hmm. would drastically change public safety and how we know it mm-hmm. i think that um that cartoon really did it justice mm-hmm. And um, yeah, shout out the internet. Yeah, it does for some, real. some really good things sometimes. Mm-hmm. And to kind of speak on a similar topic, I know at least for for my standpoint, my father's battling addiction, and I know there could be sometimes domestic violence in my household, and I I'm hesitant to call the police sometimes because I I'm scared of what may happen or what lose your it may escalate to, right? Yeah. And I feel like that's that's problematic. Like there's no one else I can call in that moment. That's easy, right? I, I can maybe look something up on the internet, but it might take a few minutes or a couple seconds as the internet loads and kind of gives me a directory and I have to try and find something. It's not as instant as, hey, dialing 911. But then, you know, again, you never know what may happen if those police show up and, and, you know, they're under the influence or something like that. So it's it's scary, at least from my point and my point of view is something that I I wouldn't want to wish upon anybody. So we do need, there is a huge need for those different societal workers 
whether they're for mental health, for addiction, for all kinds of stuff, patrolling the neighborhood just like police officers, but they're more there to, they're more specific to yeah. different calls, right? So there, there's a call, there's an operator, but then they kind of direct them to different things. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point, and it's something that I think not too many people understand mm -hmm. that we have the ability to do that, mm -hmm. and I just think that that again goes to the importance of local elections mm -hmm. is. If there's going to be a foundation of change that we can set for the future moving forward, it's not going to happen through a presidential election. Chances are it's going to happen through a local election. Mm -hmm. So let's model that. Let's let's show them that community safety looks like investment. Mm -hmm. It looks like creating opportunity for people. And um, if there's a lesson we've learned from our ancestors, mm -hmm. I, I always like revert back to hip hop, Tupac Shakur says I, I never did a crime I didn't have to do right right like no one wants to steal to to feed their their family right but some people that's their op their only option they have mm -hmm. right and that's that's it's not like morally that sounds challenging yeah. because your child's hungry yeah but for some people that's all they know mm -hmm. and so I need to meet people where they're at when it mm -hmm. comes to being an elected official because whether you have fallen through the cracks or whether you know you stand tall and stand strong mm -hmm. you're just as important as the person you know next to me mm -hmm. as the as the daughter that I'm raising you're as important as that mm -hmm. and you also deserve to be invested in whether you've made mistakes or not so when I look at unconditional care and support mm -hmm. I'm also talking about those folks that do make those mistakes mm -hmm. that hey man we got you yeah. You know, let's let's find a way to do things differently. Mm -hmm. Teaching them it's okay to make mistakes as long as they learn from their mistakes, right? People are redeemable. Mm -hmm. 100%. Mm -hmm. That's that's one thing I really try and aim for on the podcast and have different people that have had kind of rags to riches stories or people, you know, I one of the guests that I've had on that still blows my mind, Manny Jimenez Sr., you know, he mm -hmm. was 30-something years old. He was going to get locked up for life. All of a sudden, Dang. the witness said that he wasn't involved in whatever crime he was accused for. And, you know, he started a new beginning and he basically started supplying uh, the like authentic gang members for movies and TV shows. And he's no worked on stuff like Training Day and other TV shows like that. Dude, but that, that that's so how dope. he, you know, that's how he made it off in Hollywood. And now he's writing little scripts and short films. What episode films. is that? Probably in the 70s or 80s. So I'll have I'd to, it's a long time ago. That. Yeah. I'd love to watch that episode. Yeah. That's so, so dope. I'll definitely send it over to you. It's yeah. only audio only because I wasn't videoing that's them. That's dope still though. But yeah, it was it was a crazy good story because I just, I remember hearing that. I was like, man, look at, he was 36 when he turned his life around. And I, I think sometimes people feel like they get stuck in ruts at 28, 25. And it's like, you guys, you guys have so much life ahead of you. You know? Oh my goodness! Yeah, speaking of rags to riches, shout out to local businesses yes. over here. Yes. Is there any local businesses you'd like to shout out? Carnitas Uruapan. Yeah. Artisa Pilar, they're freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. um, the little parquitos in front of their business are beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, dude, I grew up on Rayton Civic Center, so like, we would always go down Fifth Street to get to Spurgeon as a kid, mm -hmm. and then I would walk down Fifth Street to get home as a kid. Mm -hmm. And Carnitas Uruapan has always been right there. And then Sarinana's Tamala Factory is freaking amazing. And speaking of that, they endorsed my campaign. Like, people really? think endorsements, like, you have to have an elected official. Yeah. You're, you know, when you're running a campaign, it's like, I'm more proud of those 
endorsements from just your regular everyday people. Right. Those are the people that matter the most mm-hmm. because those are the people that make this community up. Right. So Sarinana's Tamale Factory is like one of my favorite spots in the city. Mm-hmm. I'm regularly there all the time. I love their tacos dorados, the the pollo. Ooh, they're okay. amazing. Oh man. Yeah. Getting yeah. So they're amazing. <laughs> and then on top of that too, um, their tamales are, of course, like mm-hmm. to die for. And they're, they're I believe they're the oldest standing mexican restaurant in orange county mm. so they were they've been here since 1939 wow. in the community so shout out to them wow that's incredible mm-hmm. so you also mentioned parks and we're recording here at the el salvador park here in santa ana yep. what are some we've talked about reinvesting into the community and stuff like that but what are some modifications or changes if any you'd like to see at this park yeah let's talk about this park so i i believe in in history mm-hmm. I, i'm very much a a big supporter of knowing your local history so i'll sh- i'll start with mine mm-hmm. um we're at el salvador parque and this park here is very personal to my family um and to my journey too because i went to fremont elementary right there mm-hmm. and i remember walking here as a little boy and i remember hanging out in this community and having all my friends here and we would play kickball right there like i remember kicking that ball so far <laughs> and just running to all those bases and I was like a little guy I was a little kid uh, it was it was just really good times and I remember playing on top of that concrete uh, rooftop mm-hmm. there's a rooftop right here we used to play dodgeball on top of it it was so cool and then I remember a time where this park didn't feel safe mm-hmm. where you could come to this park and you could find needles on on the ground mm-hmm. and I can I can't tell you the countless friends that I have that went to prison or the countless friends that I had that died. Mm-hmm. Some of them in this park. Wow. And it was really sad growing up as a kid. I remember when I was a child, um, I was a freshman in high school and my friends got shot here in the corner, like minutes after he dropped me off of my house, we were walking together. Wow. And, um, and I always remembered that day. So for me, I understand that, that parks are places where people should feel safe, mm-hmm. but as dangerous as this park is statistically it's my home mm-hmm. and i feel connected to it and i want people to be proud of this park mm-hmm. so as a council member i'm gonna look to invest in this park mm-hmm. to reconstruct those restrooms mm-hmm. to beautify that community center to ensure that kids have access to these programs at no cost to them mm-hmm. because this should be a place where kids learn how to play music yeah. how to do art how to create murals we should have that community garden open yeah. so that kids can have access to fruits and vegetables there. Yeah. And we should have families be able to adopt those community gardens. Yeah. That That's would tight. be so yeah. dope. But then furthermore, imagine having cultural celebrations and a Dia de los Muertos mm. here in this community. Like use having an altar at that handball court. Yeah. So where families that live in this community can come to this park and use this, mm-hmm. and this is their hub, mm-hmm. right? And in addition to that, using these soccer fields so that when we have sports-funded programs, those soccer programs can use these fields and mm-hmm. they can play there. Mm-hmm. And that is how you, that's how you should use your parks. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad and my mom grew up in this community, and I didn't have my dad because of, because of gang violence. And a lot of men in my family chose that path as well. I was the first generation of men to not go that route. Mm-hmm. So I chose a route of doing everything possible to not become those men. Mm-hmm. 
So I embraced being soft. I embraced being educated. Yeah. I embraced doing everything opposite of what I saw men in this community do. Yeah. I didn't want to harm people. I wanted to help them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God gave me a daughter and my daughter changed my life. I mm-hmm. always tell folks I have the greatest privilege of all mm-hmm. of raising a daughter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, history shows us women do tremendous things. Right. I have a, the honor of raising a daughter that is going to challenge racism just like I did. Mm-hmm. And she'll do that for seven generations forward. Yeah. Right. So to raise in the future, brother, and to making sure that the future has access to a beautiful park here in El Salvador. Mm-hmm. You know, Salvador Park in Santa Ana, and that this park, one day when I'm not here, can be better than I ever envisioned. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Isn't that crazy, though? You, you said something earlier where you said your family, you wanted to go away from them, and so you said you were soft. And I think you also mentioned it, too, that women typically have been more, I would say, in tune with their emotion. But I think it's crazy in our society, we consider if you're a man and you're more in tune with your emotion and Let's you're that. if you're willing to speak out about how you feel mentally physically emotionally I'll, you're I'll considered tell you soft. This. I'll tell you this mm-hmm. people don't look at me and see soft yeah I, I've heard people say that I look like a cholo I've mm-hmm. been called a cholo mm-hmm. I've been called a hyper masculine male mm-hmm. toxic male mm-hmm. like all these like pseudo activist like lingo mm-hmm. and it's wrong mm-hmm. because you don't know how I feel. You don't know how I navigate my beauty mm-hmm. and my power, but I do it every day. Mm-hmm. And so folks might see me and say, oh, he looks like a, like a tough dude. Yeah. But America also looks at black men and brown men and says we're trash. Yeah. And if nobody believes that, look at the prison system. Mm-hmm. It'll tell you how they see men. Right. So that's why so many men go there is because we don't see beauty in us. Right. So wow. I'm going to tell you I'm proud to be soft. Yeah. And for someone to see that soft side of me, you have to be able to see past what you see here. Right. To be able to see that men can be beautiful, intelligent, smart, and loving too. Mm -hmm. Because what folks might know is although I look very masculine, I'm probably more feminine than I am masculine. Mm -hmm. Because I want to love more than I want to harm. Right. Right? I want to teach more than I want to... I mean, I want to learn more than I want to teach. Yeah. And, And I think that's something that that we need to destigmatize mm-hmm. is that just because we look a certain way as men mm-hmm. is not representative of how we feel exactly. or how we navigate the world mm-hmm. because I think the biggest misconception I've seen in myself um, especially because of my background and where I come from and mm-hmm. my family's background I've found a lot of people to misunderstand me mm-hmm. and misinterpret who I really am and ultimately, it's why I run for office mm-hmm. is because if they're doing it to me and I'm doing all these good things yeah. and I went through all those things that I've went through. Imagine what they're doing to folks that are just starting out. Mm-hmm. Wow. Imagine what they're doing to those individuals that are just getting out of prison. Yeah. Today. Mm-hmm. Imagine what they're doing to that kid that made his first mistake in sixth grade yeah. right now. Yeah. That kid might not make it to 18 mm-hmm. if we keep treating him the way that we treat adults like myself. Mm-hmm. So we need to redo this. Mm-hmm. We need to create a world and a community that is rooted in compassion because we understand that people are not defined by their mistakes. We need to have a, a community that is rooted in equity because we know that injustices exist and we know that I shouldn't need to stand in a box to be equal to you. Right. And lastly, we need a community 
that is going to disrupt hopelessness at every opportunity. Mm -hmm. So if that means that we feed the community more often than we ever have, then we got to do it. Mm -hmm. If it means that we need to throw more cultural celebrations to bring people together, then we got to do it. Mm -hmm. And examples of that are, I'm going to look to create a Juneteenth celebration. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't celebrate black people because of the fact that they got killed by a police officer. Right. Why don't we celebrate them while they're alive? Right. Why don't we have marches? Because we march for a, for people when they die. Yeah. But what if on Juneteenth we had a celebration and every single year we march around the black communities in Santa Ana? Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. That's mm -hmm. that's celebratory. That is. That's empowering. Right. What if we replace Columbus Day with Indigenous Peoples yeah. Day? Yeah. And we do a celebration at City Hall. Yeah. And we have Black Eyed Peas and Redbone. Yeah. <laughs> perform like Indigenous Native American groups. Yeah. Right. That's how we should celebrate each other. Mm -hmm. Is through those cultural celebrations. So it's just redoing things, and I think that, you know, uh, part of what makes this experience so special is I don't have all the answers. I'm 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 a 28 year old mm -hmm. um, adult myself. I just turned 28 August 19 and. And you know, for me, it's it's like I never saw myself represented mm -hmm. as a kid yeah. and as an adult. Mm -hmm. I never saw myself represented. So if I didn't see myself, I know damn well my neighbors and my peers yeah. don't see themselves represented. Right. So let's get a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. Let's open up the doors mm -hmm. so folks can come in like they own the place. Mm -hmm. Let's get them a seat so that when their time comes, they can have that seat. Mm -hmm. And they, their voices could be much louder than my, than mine ever could be. Mm -hmm. And then we're on the cusp of something revolutionary and change. Of course. And that's the thing, too. People may expect results right away within one, maybe even two years. But realize this is like it's, we're, so, we're at such a disadvantage right now in order to just climb like where you said, where we don't have to stand on a box to be equal. We're just equal as is. It's gonna take you know probably a decade or maybe even more, and it's yeah. it's a it's a grind, just like anything though to overturn not overturn but just to go against the grain against anything that's been you know politically or systematically placed there for a long time. You have to break that, and it's Got gonna it. take a long time. Whether it's getting a seat at the table, making you know talking about your emotions more open and more okay, make it a safe space, everything, public safety, education, all that stuff. It's gonna take a long time. Dude. And you just have to be you have to be patient, but you also have to be actively working for it too each day. Like each day, what is it? Not everybody can do one person can't do everything, but everybody can, can do, do something. Fair and kid. Yeah. Fair and kid, Shout the black RC. That's my Shout boy right there. Kid. Shout out. Yeah. Dude, it's awesome, man. Uh having these conversations with you and we're here at the park. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Sammy Love. Sammy <laughs> behind hey. the camera. Hey, Sammy. Hey. <laughs> but um it's it's really just remarkable, like to be able to have these conversations with people that are dynamic and mm -hmm. young and intelligent and it's like man we got to change the narrative mm -hmm. because the narrative for for people in this community were that i should have been dead or mm -hmm. imprisoned by 18. right well that ain't happening mm -hmm. and it's not gonna happen mm -hmm. and i'm gonna make sure that it doesn't happen moving forward right right so so people talk about the system being broken mm -hmm. it's not broken it's working damn well it's just not working for us <laughs> right. right so i'm coming in here to change that yeah. i'm coming in here to kick down those doors and to make sure that we that we that we change this system to work for us mm -hmm. 
And I think that now that we have district elections, it's the first time in history mm-hmm. where we get to say, no, hold up. I live here. Yeah. I understand what this is like. Mm-hmm. It's not going to take some some police officer that doesn't care about my community, mm-hmm. that only sees my community as a means to put more bodies in prison. That's not where change is going to come from. You're not going to arrest your way out of this problem, brother. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to love and protect each other, and we're going to give resources to those who need it. And we're going to build foundations for people to do what they love most. Mm-hmm. And that is how this city is going to change. And my my vision that I have is that over the next four to eight years, we're going to have more women in office in Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. We're going to have more people of color sitting at the dais. And we're damn sure going to have strong black leadership come out of Santa Ana too. Hell yeah. So here's to doing that. That's what's up. Boom, and just like that, it's a wrap for the My Mike and I podcast, episode 123. I'm Noah Alvarez, and guys, if you really liked that last episode, be sure to subscribe, uh, follow, like, whatever the platform allows you that you're listening to this on. I really appreciate it. And if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, drop a rating and review. I really appreciate that. I haven't gotten one in a while. I'd feel really great if you guys could just, you know, go ahead and throw a little. It doesn't have to be a five-star, whatever you think uh, this podcast is worthy of. I'd greatly appreciate it. And a little review, too, to help gauge new listeners on what this podcast is all about. Last couple things to plug. Be sure to follow me on Instagram, at my period, Mike and period I. Also follow me on Twitter at underscore Noah Alvarez. I got some stickers for sale and you can check out some of those stickers on the My Mike and I Instagram page. I'm also going to be doing a giveaway on Twitter. And if you just know me in person and you're interested in some of the stickers, you know, just just text me or like when we hang out, just let me know and I'll get you some stickers. But yeah, man, I'm really excited for the direction of this podcast. And as I tell you guys at the end of every show. Just hope you guys continue to strive in the year 2020. Remember, chase dreams, not checks, and and never stop seeking knowledge. I know this year is close, closely, it's it's almost over, right? Like, we're in October now. Um, It's October 1st, the day I'm recording this. And November's coming up soon. That means the election's coming up soon. And then Thanksgiving, and then December, and before you know it, it's going to be over. So just hope you guys continue to strive forward, man. And no matter what obstacles you may face, I hope you guys are able to conquer them, achieve them. You know, hope you guys are able to work through the bad times and enjoy and cherish the good times. And before I start rambling too much, I'm going to go ahead and call it. So I'm Noah Alvarez, the host of the My Mike and I podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another show. I'm signing off. Till next time.